You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name's Chris. He's Ed. We're sitting here in my basement on the south side, and we're giving you the podcast for fans, by fans, 30 minutes of socks. That is Socks in the Basement, and it is brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions. For bowing walls, window wells, foundation, and crack repair, issues with the concrete. It's going up, it's going down, that's a foundational issue. You're trying to keep water out of the basement. You know, you're, you're looking at the sump pump. You're looking at any kind of cracks. They're going to take care of all that. They're going to give you a great price. They were named one of the Southtown's best in 2021. I expect them to be named that by the Daily Southtown again. Family and veteran owned and operated since they started in 2013, and they'll give you money off if you mention socks in the basement when you call 24-7-708-330-4466. See what a difference a family makes at FamilyDry.com. How are you, my friend? How was, how was the weekend? Because I'm exhausted. I, I graduated an eighth grade student, and when you do that on the south side out of a Catholic grammar school, like my, my son Dominic went to, he went to Most Holy Redeemer, and now he's on his way to Brother Rice, it's as if he got his doctorate and the Nobel Prize because it was five days of award ceremonies, trips to great America, graduation, and uh, lots and lots of drinking. The parents used this as an excuse for multiple parties. So I'm exhausted. Well, I uh, graduated a preschooler and we forgot about it within a half an hour of it finishing because why would you even bother? Right. I don't know why eighth grade's uh, a big so, deal either. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm not exhausted. I'm, I think like all Sox fans, I'm frustrated because you watch what they did to Tampa for two out of, uh, two out of those three games. They look like the team we expect them to look like. And then you go back to reality when you look at the record and everything else. So there is one thing, though, that I look at with that. And I say, what a difference Jake Berger makes. It's, it's funny when you have a guy who's actually hitting and you put him in the lineup and let him do his thing. Yeah, I know. I know. And, and that's the thing. Like, the Sunday game, I, I just looked at it and thought to myself, okay, that's a that's a good lineup because you're playing guys that hit up towards the top of your lineup. But Tony La Russa is such a slave to handedness. And, you know, that was against a left-handed pitcher. They have a winning record against left-handed pitching. And it's because oh, yeah. Yeah. their better hitters are, are right-handed hitters. And Tony doesn't like putting, he likes to put Gavin Sheets in because he's a lefty against right-handed pitchers instead of A.J. Pollock, who I think if you played every day, you'd get better results. He insists on putting Leary in there against a right-handed pitcher. And I think Danny Mendick should be playing every day. We've gotten into all this stuff. I, I don't know what they're going to do, especially at second base. There's so many options and so many questions between Harrison and Garcia and Mendick now uh, having a, a hot start, his second time up here coming up from AAA. I know it's a small sample size. And also, where do you play Jake Berger? Do you try him out at second base? So I'm bringing in James Fox from Future Sox. He's on the show here in just a few minutes. And he's going to talk not only about those guys, but a mess of guys that are down the minors, one of which Rick Hahn went and looked at uh, just last week. So the, the White Sox might be getting ready to make a move. We're going to get into that. Before we do any of that, though, I'm going to address the 900-pound uh, gorilla that is in the room because it broke on social media yesterday that our partner, Sox on 35th, at SoxOn35th.com have also partnered up now 
with NBC Sports Chicago. And I had a lot of people ask right away, are we going to see Chris and Ed on pre and post game? Are they going to be throwing it from Steve Stone in the booth to one of us sitting in the basement talking about stuff? And the answer to that is no, no, that's not going to happen. When Jordan and Joe, uh, you know, Joe Binder and Jordan Lazowski, they're over there. They're the brain trust. And there's an awful lot of great writers over at SoxOn35th.com. They came to us right away when NBC Sports came to them with this idea. And the idea is that NBC Sports needs content, right? They they want more articles on their website. Soxon35 does a great job. I mean, what the heck? We joined up with them back at the beginning of December. And then I think somebody over there noticed they're like, hey, this joining up with people that do stuff on uh, websites is a good idea. And so they've decided they want to do the same thing, which is fine. It's great for Soxon35. It's awesome. But in the first conversation with those guys, when they let us know that NBC Sports was knocking on the door, and Ed will back this up. We're on a call with them. It's the four of us. And I said right away, I'm like, I'm not changing anything. Like, I can't. I love what we do. In fact, I think it's what sets us apart from anybody else out there. Well, not everybody. I don't want to just throw a big blanket, but a vast majority of people that are out there covering the White Sox, especially independently, while a lot of people are out there trying to get themselves, let's say, a, a job on a on a corporate site, or they're trying to get themselves over to NBC Sports, or they'd love to be on the radio at The Score, or on ESPN 1000, or they would love to be the pregame or the postgame person one day. So every once in a while, they have to pull back and they have to watch their P's and Q's. Ed and I, we're where we want to be. Like, this is great. Like, we own everything. You know, he's got his own law practice, too. And this is completely independent. And I could say whatever I want to say. And the last thing I would ever want is to find out there was something I said that I couldn't say or that it would come down the grape uh, vine that I had upset somebody. And so right away, we express to those guys, we're not changing. Like if, if something's going wrong, if we don't like what somebody said, if we don't like what somebody did, if we want to be critical of anything going on, whether it be uh, the White Sox or something going on in Chicago sports media, we're not changing what we do down here. And I uh, believe that conversation was probably had, and that's why we're not involved, <laughs> which is fine. Well, and, and the other thing, too, is, is that, you know, this was really, like you said, this is NBC and, and Sox on 35th, and they have the same appreciation. NBC has the same appreciation for Sox on 35th and what those guys do that we did when we joined up with them. So it, we are still, you know, we're still partnered up with them, and... Uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be kind of cool for some of these writers that do such a great job to get more exposure. But like you said, this is what we do. This is the show we want to put out as fans. This is what we would want to listen to. And we hope that this is what, you know, other fans want to listen to. So we've got our own voice. We're an independent thing and we love that freedom. We've been told by so many people how much they appreciate it. We've been told by people inside the White Sox organization that they love that we're not we're not affiliated with anybody because we could say whatever we want to keep that. And we're going to keep that. We really enjoy doing that. We're going to remain being the podcast on their site, which I think is incredible because uh, the way it sounds like is that they're providing news stories and their articles, and they'll be not only on socks on 35th.com, but then NBC sports can put them on their site. But then there's a link to finish the story where they come back to socks on 35th.com where our podcast is sitting embedded. So essentially, without having any affiliation whatsoever with this corporation, the corporation will be driving listeners to socks in the basement. So I think we I think we made out well in this whole thing. We get to stay independent. They do their thing. Socks on 35th writers get an awful lot of exposure. I'm good with it. 
And and meanwhile, you can have uh, you know somebody like James Fox on to talk about how all of a sudden we have no second baseman but five thousand second baseman. <laughs> Let's get that next right here on Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Joining me on the phone line right now, love talking to this guy. Uh, we've been talking to him since Socks in the Basement came into existence. Uh, he's an excellent writer. He's on top of an awful lot of things. He's the guy who sat on this show and told us, Andrew Vaughn, the White Sox are going to pick him. And then after the White Sox pick him, uh, they're probably going to get him up here pretty quickly. He was on top of the Louis Robert extension before anybody else. He writes for future Sox. James Fox on the show. How are you, James? Oh, hey, Chris. Good to be back. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out this, this mess that we have. And, and one of the things that I think White Sox fans, a lot of them have gravitated to is there's, there's certain problems. You got to wait for guys to play through. There's certain problems that there's nothing can be done right now. You're just, you're waiting to see if uh, an injured Aloy Jimenez gets back and what he's going to be like. And Lance Lynn is going to be eventually rejoining the team. And, and, and when Timmy Anderson gets back, it really fixes a lot because he's back in your leadoff spot and he's playing shortstop every day. But I think everybody's gravitated to, and I've gravitated to it as well, is second base. It's the fact that you have Larry Garcia. He doesn't do anything very well. He's off to a terrible start this year, and his career numbers don't suggest like he's all of a sudden going to be a superstar. Uh, Josh Harrison doesn't seem like that was the right signing in any way whatsoever. You got a Jake Berger hitting very well, but nobody really seems to want to put him at second base. And a Danny Mendick in a small sample size hitting the ball very well, but I don't know whether or not the White Sox want to put him there permanently for the rest of the year. You cover the minor league system for future sacks. And that's why I wanted to talk to you today because I'm hearing Lennon Sosa had a bunch of people sitting around watching him in double a, right? Yeah. So Rick Hahn was in Tennessee. So it's like Tennessee Smokies and the Cubs in double a that's where, that's where Birmingham's been all week. Rick Hahn was there earlier this week, like Tuesday, Wednesday, I think Getz was there too. Um, you know, I think I tweeted like high level decision makers just because I didn't know the amount of people that were there. And look, it could have been, like a cursory trip into, you know, Tennessee volunteers right now have a lot of draft prospects. And one of the guys is outfielder Drew Gilbert, who I know for a fact the White Sox have some level of interest in. So look, I mean, maybe Hans going in to see them and then he stops to see the double A club. But I was kind of told specifically by someone like, no, they're, they're going in to see Lenin and seeing how he can handle this. And, you know, the one thing that gives me pause is, he did kind of struggle at every level. Like Lennon Sosa has always been interesting because he's been super young for every level that he's played at. And then he struggled and then he's like help zone and then he's advanced. But even like last year in double a, he, he struggled. And this year he's, 
you know, he's putting up Louis Robert numbers at double A. That's why everybody, you know, has the attention. So I, I would think he would go to triple A first, but I guess it's possible that like, if you need a second baseman, they're just going to figure out the guy that they think is the best out of their group that they're not going to have to send back down. I think they want a guy to come up and stay up. And if they decide that that's so, so like you could promote him from double A and have him be the guy. I mean, Obviously, there's Yolbert Sanchez at Charlotte. I think Sosa has more upside because he's three years younger and he, you know, he has more power. But I mean, even if you did Yolbert Sanchez, I mean, who was billed as a glove first guy that's done nothing but hit, and it's a lot of singles, you know. But you know, you have options there. And Jose Rodriguez is a little bit further away, but there's a lot of middle infielders in the system that, you know, could be ready to be big league contributors soon which makes their offseason even more puzzling. I mean, a three-year deal for Larry Garcia is absolutely absurd. And then you have Josh Harrison added on top of it where it's like, I didn't hate that Josh Harrison signing, but it's like you can't have Josh Harrison and Larry Garcia. You, you just can't because this manager will play both of them at the same time, and it's just a huge problem. So, you know, this is this is one of the areas on the team where – where you might be able, like you said in the intro, you, you might be able to like fix something um, without having to wait for like a veteran player to come back to their career numbers. And if they're not going to play Jake Berger at second base, you know, I, I would think the solution is one of these guys from the minor leagues. And, and I would think it would have to be pretty soon because I think Josh Harrison's had a long enough leash. You know, Lennon Sosa, only 22 years old, uh, down in Birmingham at Double A. I see what you're talking about. Uh, when he goes up a level, he struggles a little bit because he was in uh, high A ball in Winston-Salem, hitting 290, and then got to Double A in the exact same year last year and over 121 plate appearances at 214. But now in, a, in his first full season in Birmingham, over 227 plate appearances, hitting 342 with a 958 OPS. Uh, tell me a little bit about his defense, because it looks like he can hit. And can he make that jump? Because Andrew Vaughn jumped. And I think everybody's convinced now, just bring up the guy when he's good. Why does he have to see every level? So what is the fear about Lennon Sosa jumping from double A? So I guess the fear is that he, like, looking closely at the numbers, like, he's never really walked much, which he'll fit right in in Chicago, obviously. <laughs> but But he did, you know he did improve the walk rate and he cut his strikeout rate. Now he's not a huge walk guy, but he also doesn't K a bunch. I think it's under 20%, like 16%. Um, he's a fine defender. I mean, he was billed as like a glove first signing out of Venezuela. He signed for like 325,000. He came stateside like immediately. He played in the Arizona league of like, as like a 16 year old. So he's, I mean, he's been in the system for a while, but it's important. Like it's it's always interesting when guys don't play in the Dominican summer league. They just go they just come right stateside and he's one of those guys. So that tells me that he has like the maturity and like the mental makeup to be able to handle it. My only fear is that he would you know, he would get up here and struggle and then all of a sudden, you know, you are striking out of the thirty percent clip and not walking. Um but look, I mean there there's a chance that that this guy has just arrived and he's good. Like he, I, I tweeted the other night that he's giving me Marcus Simeon vibes because it's similar. Like if you look back at Marcus Simeon's minor league career, he didn't spend a ton of time in the minors because that was, you know, Kenny Williams era where like, as soon as like they had an 800 OPS anywhere, like they promoted them to the majors, but he was a college player, you know, that played pretty well in the minors and then just kind of like arrived as like a six round pick, I think. And then he was in the big leagues and 
you know, this is kind of similar. So um, I, I would not be surprised if we see Lenny and Sosa at some point. The other interesting wrinkle with all of this, Sosa, Gilbert Sanchez, Jose Rodriguez, you won't see this year, but he's one of their top prospects. He's also at Birmingham. And then even Brian Ramos isn't going to help you because he's a third baseman and he's another young Cuban. They all have to be added to the 40-man roster this December to be protected from Rule 5. So, you know, one way or another, something has to give by the winter. So whether a couple of those guys are, are you know, trade candidates in July or – you know, they get added in the off season. It, it's like a group of infield names that we should keep an eye on. That's really interesting too, because again, you go back to the Garcia contract. If you have all this talent and it's starting to come to fruition and you know what he is, he's a replacement level player. Right? Somebody tried to tell me the other day on Twitter that he's a two war player over, over his entire career of 12 years. He's only amassed a little over four wins above replacement. According to baseball reference, he's not a two war player every year. He's a 0.34 war player. He's a replacement level player. You gave 16 and a half million dollars to that means another $11 million due to him over the next two years after this season. Will the white Sox like bite the bullet? If both of these guys are good or several of these guys are good and they have to make room and bring one of them up, would they eat that money? Is that too much money for Jerry Reinsdorf to swallow from Rick Hahn giving a contract that he probably didn't need to give in the off season? Yeah. I mean, I, so I just like to know like where that contract kind of came from because like I heard the Eduardo Escobar rumors this off season and like we had James speaking on our podcast. You just had him on yours and like the athletic basically had heard that, you know, he was in talks with the White Sox to sign here. And then two days later he signed with the Mets. So, you know, like if that's your plan and you got a real second baseman, like, do you still bring back Leary? Like they signed Leary right before the lockout. And yeah, it's like three years, 16 and a half. And I don't know if that was just a matter of like Tony going to Jerry and being like, I want this guy. I really like him. And then they did it. Like, it's just completely unnecessary. Like, there's just no way that deal was out in the marketplace for him. And if it was, great. Like, you know, they should have let him go take it because this job is not that hard to fill. And I think Rick Hahn's vision for Larry Garcia was 26 man on this roster. He even said it, like, it, you know, like when the press release came out. So I just, like, I, I just don't know why it's necessary. You also have, you know, the guy that we didn't mention is Romy Gonzalez, who has struggled a little bit at Charlotte and he's been hurt, but it's, like, it's another guy taking up a 40-man spot. So, yes, I, I would think that if Larry Garcia continues to do what he's done this year, that they probably will bite the bullet and just they'll just have to, like, dump him Jeff Kepinger style, but it won't be this season. It would, it, would, it would be next season, I'm guessing, and then they'll just decide around that. Look, all four of those guys that I mentioned – are not going to be on the 40 man next year. So something's going to give somewhere like they'll add two of them. They'll trade two of them and you know, whatever they'll leave one unprotected or whatever. But yeah, the, the, the whole situation just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And the Larry Garcia thing has never really made much sense to me or you or most people that we talk. James Fox is brought to you proudly by the village of Lamont. They bring all of our guests to you. I uh, want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks and green spaces filled with adventures. Visit the village of Lamont, a great place for a day trip, shop, dine, drink, explore. And this weekend on Saturday, from what I can tell, uh, looking at their, their big calendar of events, and they always have so much going on from 6 PM until 8 PM, super diamond, a Neil diamond tribute band playing 
in Lamont. Check it all out. Sweet See, Caroline, that sounds great. I know. Uh, check it all out at LamontDowntown.com. You know, I want to get back to the intriguing name Lennon Sosa and also Yolbert Sanchez and explain to the people that are listening and and me as well. I mean, I, I don't I don't follow prospects as well as you do. That's why I have you come on the show. I, I can look at the MLB top 100 page like anybody else. I can look at the top 30 White Sox prospects on that page. I can go to the future Sox and I can check out your rankings. Sosa's in double A and is ranked lower than Sanchez. So I would think to myself when I look at a at a Yolbert Sanchez hitting 298 down in Triple A, and you say he's a glove first guy, but it looks like he's hitting very well. Uh, why wouldn't they just take the guy from Triple A and move Sosa up? Uh, it, it, would this be really unorthodox? Is there something wrong with Sanchez? Why, play GM for me. Why, why would they go with Sosa over Sanchez if they're checking Sosa out in Double A? Yeah, so it is a little unorthodox. My my only guess would be that maybe they think Lennon Sosa is your second baseman um, for a while, right? Like you're going to bring him up and he's going to be your second baseman for whatever, the next few seasons. Whereas you think Yolbert Sanchez, like despite some of his success profiles is more of a utility player and you just don't mind leaving him. I mean, look, I'm with you. Like my initial thought was like one of my, and I've said this on, on mine and Mike's show, like get Yolbert Sanchez to the majors is twofold because it gets Josh Harrison off the team. It gets Yolbert on the team, gives him a shot for you to see what he is. And it gets Lenny and Sosa to Charlotte. So I guess it's threefold, but I mean, like, yeah, that was my initial thought. If they actually do this and they promote Sosa like straight from double a, I think it just tells you that they think that his upside's higher. They think he could possibly be their long-term answer at second base where they still like Yolbert, but he's also not on the 40 man. Um, and maybe he profiles more as like a utility player, but you know, at least you have some options. None of these guys are going to come up here and save the White Sox, but their second baseman should be their nine hitter. And he should just be not killing you. That should have been the plan. And you know, they're just not really getting anything out of that spot at all. Oh, so you're saying to me that the, uh, whoever they bring up and put a second base shouldn't be leading off or batting second. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it'll happen. It'll probably it'll probably happen. I would imagine, right? Like Lennon Sosa comes up and leaves off right away. That was, and then and look, man, like I like the Danny Danny Mendick's been playing really well. Um, now I think it's likely that eventually he turns back into Danny Mendick. But I mean, this is the kind of spark that you need to stay alive, right? They did the same thing last year with, uh, you know, some of the guys that that they brought in and you know, it was, it was crazy. You had the whole, uh, Yerman thing and Brian Goodwin played well and Billy Hamilton played well. And you need some of these things, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think Danny Mendick is the solution, but that's another infielder on the 40 man. This, the, this whole thing is just like nuts. James Fox writes for Future Sox, does a podcast. Uh, he's the senior editor over there. Uh, really great stuff anytime that he jumps on. The official brewery of Sox in the Basement is Hailstorm Brewing Company. They're out in Tinley Park. They make incredible beer. Uh, 8060 186th Street. That is right off of 80th Avenue uh, at 186th Street. 
They have a brand new brewer out there. He's not new to the Chicago area. Will Turner has been everywhere from Revolution Brewing to Open Outcry Brewing, and he's brought his decades of experience to Hailstorm now. He's tweaking their classic styles and innovating new beers of his own. And that tap room, Ed, is incredible. The outdoor patio with the fire pits for whenever it gets chilly, that's incredible. There's always live music on the weekends, trivia nights, and so much. Plus, I constantly am going by there and dropping off socks in the basement uh, swag. So we've we've already gotten people that have reached out and said thank you for doing that because our people in like Northwest Indiana or that are way out in the deep suburbs or in, you know in the countryside of Illinois, it's easier for them to get over the hailstorm to pick stuff out. They have seasonal beers out for the summer, including their Primo Mexican Lager and their big beautiful wheat. And look out for Morley which is going to celebrate Mokina, Orland, and Tinley. It is an American brown ale, which is hoppier, uh, and it's a hoppier take on the classic English brown ale. Follow them on Facebook at Hailstorm Brewing Company or visit them today at hailstormbrewing.com. I'm going to the game on Tuesday night. This episode comes out on a Tuesday morning. Tuesday night, I'm going to see Michael Kopech pitch. And look, I haven't lost hope. I'm actually looking forward to going to the game. I know that sometimes you can get down. We we see it even sometimes. We see they, they lose four straight games, and you can actually see the numbers hour by hour, and you can see the disgust of Sox fans. Like, you can just see, like... Oh, yeah, it, it's palpable. <laughs> it, it's it's like watching a thunderstorm roll in sometimes, the disgust <laughs> level of White Sox fans. Just, you know, Tom Skilling gets on and is like, well, uh, after four losses in a row and Larry Garcia on the three-hole, we can see these huge thunderheads coming up. <laughs> And there's a lot of complaining about Rick Hahn that's going to come right through the area and go right through to Northwest Indiana. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's so funny. Ever since we started talking about whose fault it was, maybe about a week or so ago on this show. Oh, everybody seems to be uh, weighing in on that. Well, yeah, but everybody keeps asking me privately, like, who do you think? Like, I was out the other night and I was having a drink with a friend and and I'm sitting there and I'm having having a bourbon. I'm a third one in and he looks at me and he goes, but who? Who's at fault? He just kept pressing me and pressing me. And finally I looked at him like, it's La Russa. I, I, I think like in my most honest state, I, I blame him probably more than anybody just because I don't like the way he's used the lineups. I don't like seeing Andrew Vaughn at the bottom of the lineup uh, just because there's a right-handed pitcher. I think that's just stupid. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't like the, the idea that he doesn't get what his GM did in bringing in AJ Pollock, who I think if you were playing regularly, he wouldn't be so hot and cold. He's already a streaky guy. You're making him streakier. I think he, the fact that he just can't help himself but play multiple guys at second base, like pick a second baseman and stick with it and put the other guy on the bench. Like he he just, some of the things he's doing, I don't get, you know? I mean, he's he has won several World Series rings and maybe he's just sitting around, you know, managing for the World Series. Maybe Tony looks at this. Like how Steve Stone keeps saying, they're only a couple games back in the loss column. It doesn't matter if they're several games under 500 because we're just going to get to face Minnesota at some point. We're going to kick their butts and we're going to jump in front of them. And we're going to make up these games. And when it all finally evens out after 162, we're in the postseason and the team will be so well rested and able to do so much because they've all been tried out in every position in the order that they're ready to win a World Series. Like, do you think that's what his mentality is? Well, I do think that the lineup changes are twofold. One, is, as you said, trying to give everybody an opportunity to hit in various spots and trying to figure out where he's going to want to use guys in certain matchups so that he can play those matchups better in the playoffs. I think there's an element of that. I really honestly do think that some of it is just trying to jumpstart some of these veterans that are hitting below their baseball card and trying to put them in some spot or in front of somebody or behind somebody or in situations where they're going to get some sort of a different look or feel 
and I'm guessing as time is going to go on, you're going to see more like what he started to do. And I, and I understand it's against a lefty. You and I were talking about this, you know, on, on the Sunday game where they top loaded the lineup pretty nicely where they had guys that are all doing pretty well. And that was an, a lineup against the lefty. So it's a little bit easier for him because he's putting some of his best players in. But also I do think you're going to see at some point, maybe in the second half where he's just going to start to be like, all right, some of these guys are who they are, and I'm not going to use them in certain situations. And you may see things like less Yasmani Grandal if he doesn't start picking it up. You may see things like, you know, AJ Pollock being used on a more regular basis because Tony understands who he is, but he also understands that he's a guy in his mid thirties and you don't want him to run out of gas in the playoffs, uh, which, you know, I don't have anything to back up that he's done or not done. But when he was with the Dodgers, you know, the Dodgers rotate guys around a lot, right? So, I think it's. I think there's a, a little bit of both. If you're being optimistic about it, if you're being pessimistic about it, the old man's lost his mind and has no idea what he's doing. But that's if you're going to be pessimistic about it, which I think again is the thunderstorm that keeps rolling through the area after every you know every series loss. Good news is it doesn't look like there's going to be an incoming storm for real on Tuesday night. And I'll get to see baseball, and maybe I'll even get a pretzel brat. You know, I mean that's probably what I'm most concerned about right now. I still haven't got one. Ah. The elusive pretzel brat. And I expect it to be terrible, too. I expect to get it and for it to be awful. Like, I'm going to go eat at Cork and Carry at the park ahead of time. You know, I'm going to get over to 33rd in Princeton. I'm going to get some good food at a, at a good price. And, and I'm going to pregame there. I'm going to postgame there. I'm going to bring my wife to the game. Uh, so look for me before and after the game over at Cork and Carry. And in the middle of the game, I will make room in my stomach if I can find a pretzel brat. But I, at this point, I feel like it's impossible. It's never going to happen. Me and the pretzel brat were never meant to be. Well, I wish you all the best. And if you do find the pretzel brat, I hope that you two are happy together. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.